Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello and welcome to the Not Nine Podcast. It is episode two hundred and ten. Myself and Andrea Cleary are here as ever. Andrea, how are you? I'm good, Niall. How are you? Good. good. You're looking well. Your camera's looking well. Your background is looking good. Uh, I've got loads uh, of records. You've got loads of books. It's who we are? Mac Yates there and there. <laughs> who I saw? I didn't see him. Uh, whose paintings I saw in the gallery at the weekend, which is very which nice. Gallery the, National gallery. The, the National Gallery the National of gallery. Ireland, um, which was lovely. Had a very nice time. And we were kind of rushing out because we had like a dinner dinner appointment. What do you call it? A reservation. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> well, I have a dinner appointment after this. So, uh, a dinner we'll, appointment. We'll keep it. We'll keep it to a tight hour, I'd say. Yes. Um, but yeah, it was rushing out. And then Harry was like, oh, just pop in here for into this room for a second. And we popped in and he was like, there's that Picasso. And I was like, oh, yeah. So it's just it's a good gallery. You know, maybe I'll start doing free promo for the gallery in the vein of my previous work with uh, the, the library. With the library, um, yeah. So, yeah. It, it gives <laughs> good gallery, out. I swear. That place gives Great good gallery. gallery. Very good. Very nice. It gives good gallery. Well, right, what, I, are we, what are we talking about now? We're well, we're going to talk about we're we're sandwiched in between two big live stream music events, uh, weekend one and weekend two of Coachella. Especially the last couple of years, it's been really obvious that Coachella has become the equivalent of Glastonbury in terms of its live streams. Probably more so because it's an international festival; it's streamed on YouTube. Every all six stages of the festival were uh, live streamed. Um. Now, obviously, not all of it was live streamed, but wow. it is the basically Coachella is the first big festival of the year that happens internationally. So for a lot of us, it's the first opportunity to get to see a lot of the acts that might be coming to our shores or get a glimpse of what it might look like or what the sets might look like from artists who are coming or interested in. In other cases, it's actually the first time we really get to see anyone 
people like Frank Ocean playing their first gig, first gig in uh, six years, six years, six years. Uh, yeah. And then the likes of Jai Paul playing his first ever gig. So two sides of the same coin in a way, both very enigmatic artists who came out around the same time, who have, who use mystery and intrigue and um, drip feeding information as part of their whole thing, certainly are not ones to be doing a lot of uh, public appearances. Certainly Jai Paul, like literally was the first thing he's ever done uh, on a live mm. stage at Coachella. So we talk about that and I want to talk more specifically about Jai Paul and the journey he's been on because it's something I'm just really interested in and um, I thought it'd be fun to do because, uh, I mean, I love the music of Jai Paul. I know you do as well. We were talking about the, <laughs> we were both trying to get the record last week. So uh, yeah. we'll get into all that. But I, I mean, the lottery for his London gigs. Same, same, same. Well. I'm, a, I'm actually going over for The Great Escape, which is that weekend. And uh, so I'm going over on the Wednesday as it happened. I accidentally booked my flight on at the day, Wednesday, the May, May 10th, instead of the Thursday. I should have probably done it the Thursday. So I do have a whole day on the 10th. So, you know, Ticket Gods, Dice FM, Raffle People, I'm I'm around. <laughs> I'm around. I'm yeah. sure no one else is in London, so it's fine. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's, we'll that's see how, how that goes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll see how that goes. But I think let's start with I mean, first of all, Coachella, did you watch much of it? I watched a bit of it. I sort of just watched the the performers that I was looking forward to. I saw a bit of Blackpink, yeah. which I thought was really good. I saw a bit of Rosalia, who I also thought was good, who I think probably should have headlined but oh yeah she was that. fantastic Jesus. yeah it just if it, it feels it feels like she's at the right stage now to start headlining festivals like this i saw boy genius and then jai paul and frank i guess yeah. a little bit i mean we'll talk about frank in a minute but like i mean no one really uh, saw frank but uh yeah because it wasn't officially live streamed it's not a festival that i would have sat down and watched I've I've never really been that interested in Coachella I'll be honest with you it's like with Glastonbury it's closer to home we're probably yeah. I'm probably a bit more familiar with the artists and I think that the BBC coverage of it is excellent um but this year with Coachella I was like oh yeah I'll, I'll have a look and I was pleasantly surprised at the quality of the live streams that they yeah that they had up. I thought they were really, they were well produced. You could see everything you wanted to see. There was like shots of the crowd. It was, I had much more of a sense of what Coachella actually looks like. Um, because like, I think Coachella is really, it's a deeply interesting festival to me because of its kind of dual legacy as a music festival and like an influencer space i suppose yeah. like it was it came to prominence in the 2010s which was like the instagram era and you had vanessa hudgens of all people still to this day being called like the queen of coachella because of her like iconic fashion looks she's kind of like the like what alexa chung is to glastonbury vanessa hudgens was to mm. coachella and like coachella fashion being a thing so it was always this sort of like this place where celebrities and early influencers go to be photographed. But unlike Glastonbury, they, they're sort of not mixing in with like filth like us. Like yeah. Well, that's the American thing, right? Spaces. So, yeah. yeah. 
they they have their VIP spaces. And I think this year or now coming into this this new decade where social media has changed a lot, things are a lot more, I don't like the term relatable, but there's a lot more like normal people with normal tickets to go to Coachella are making content about their experience at Coachella and it's easier to get a sense of what what it actually looks and feels like for like a normal person. So I think this year's Coachella was very, very interesting because it was the first, you know, TikTok Coachella mm. where like people who weren't there could watch it through TikTok or through Instagram Live or whatever it is as as we'll come to. But yeah, so I I just wanted to kind of note that about the festival and about it being yeah. like just a just a very funny one that like we don't like when Glastonbury happened last year, you could definitely say that, that that was the first TikTok Glastonbury, but it wasn't. There wasn't that the same kind of like content. There wasn't the same no. like obsession with being seen to be there. And so the I, Americans I think that's do my, that like, differently. my problem with it. They do. And obviously it's in it's in California. It's down the road from fucking Hollywood and LA and it's in the desert in the middle of nowhere. You can rent houses that are nearby, go and be photographed at Coachella and then leave, which reportedly a lot of influencers did this year. So it has, (laughs) I I think it still has this kind of dual, this kind of like personality clash of like, yeah, Mm -hmm. we're, we're the festival who got Frank Ocean and we also booked Jaipal on like a pretty big stage. So yeah, we're cool, but also like, please come to our festival and be photographed in your like outfits that are worth thousands of dollars and post it to your, post it to your Instagrams. And there's, there's this weird kind of personality clash there with, with Coachella that I always find weird. But crucially, what, why I bring this up is that Frank Ocean, among other things that I'll go into in a minute, but Frank Ocean decided something like an hour before his set was due to begin on Sunday night that he didn't want the set live streamed. I think that that is, it's a very naive decision on Frank's part because of course it was live streamed by various Mm, people on Instagram Live whose Instagrams were shared on Reddit and on Twitter and wherever around the place so that literally thousands, hundreds of thousands of people could watch it on the live stream with very, very little control on his part. Like Pitchfork interviewed a girl who who live streamed it. Her her Instagram name is at Morgan Doesn't Care. She's also a musician. And she spoke to Pitchfork about how over 130,000 people, including Lord, were in the live stream on her Instagram after it was shared on Reddit. And she was relatively lucky because, well, lucky, but I mean, she put the work in. She got up to the barricade at Frank's, at, at the stage, 11 hours before he came on stage, um, which to her would have been 10 hours early because he was an hour late. But, you know, she she was there. She was there for Frank. He was the main reason why she was coming to this festival. And she she live streamed it and we can all look at it and look at it for what it was, I suppose, which maybe we'll we'll talk about now. <laughs> yeah, well, I'd like to just say that I would hate to be at Coachella myself. I would think I would hate oh, it. Oh, fuck that. It's too hot. It's in a desert. Man. 
Imagine being in a tent in the desert. My God. There was a video last year on our Discord, actually, that somebody shared that I watched. It was these British lads at Coachella. It's worth to watch because just to get the experience of, because we know what our festivals are like. We're very versed in them now. We, we, you know, we have small comforts, but the American thing is just totally different. Yeah. It's not like the Woodstock 99 thing where people were like campsite lose. You bring loads of gear or you, you like you said, you rent an Airbnb and you a great expense. Tickets for Coachella start at like $550. So they're double what they are here. Mm. And it's in the desert. <laughs> and if you want to go drinking as, as part of the festival, there's these pens, these areas you go to, to drink. Yeah. It's just not the same as what we have here. It seems like there's a lot of long waits, a lot of queues, a lot of uh, waiting around, a lot of uh, lines, all that stuff. So it's just a different thing completely for me. I even noticed like the, the stage setups I found kind of not weird, but like uh, uninventive, like just sort of, it's just the stage and the crowd. And for, I think for they can be sure people, it's never going to rain. That's one thing that we can never well, have. Yeah, that's something. So but I open mean, but, staging, very different. But just like these massive, the kind of prioritizing people being able to see screens over people being able to see the show, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, yeah. Um, but it is, it does make so, for a festival that makes like really good sense in terms of live streams. But there, like you mm. said, Frank deciding to take, give control to the people that were there as opposed to take control himself and how he's presented. Yeah. Did he really yeah. want to be there is, is my first no. question to you. No. He didn't seem okay. to be. So Frank was booked for Coachella 2020, which obviously didn't happen. And then he didn't play last year because he wasn't ready um, following the tragic death of his brother in a car accident. It was completely understandable. He he pulled mm. out of that, but it was confirmed that he was going to play 2023. I mean, no, he didn't want to be there. Definitely not. It's, it seemed as though there was this, this grand sort of concept. There were, I mean, there's the infamous, <laughs> I think the now infamous, even three days later, ice rink that was planned there was a hundred or so um ice skaters who i'd heard actually were like a mixture of ice skaters and professional hockey players or semi-professional hockey players who were like due to skate on this rink that was an hour before was being thawed because he he didn't want it anymore and that image is just so funny to me just the middle of the desert all these people trying to thaw this ice rink like <laughs> First of all, not very cool in terms of climate. <laughs> like I, no, an ice, ice rink yeah. in the desert, like energy, Jesus. And then deciding not to use it in the, uh, after Man. all that. And the, the, the amount of electricity. Well, and, like, oh, yeah, all used there. God. But yeah, it just still sounds like, bad. how can I get out of this? Uh, I, well, I'm doing a festival in the desert. I'll ask them to set up an ice rink because they won't be able to do yeah. that. And then they turn around and like, yeah, we have it. Do you remember in the episode of Succession where it's Kendall's birthday? He's planning to do this like thing where he comes out on the stage as Jesus mm. or something and he's going to be sacrificed as Jesus. And then right before it's due to happen, he decides, no, 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 it's stupid. I, I don't want to do it anymore. And then everybody else has to like figure out how to like not yeah, do yeah, it. Yeah, 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 I yeah. couldn't <laughs> stop thinking about that. <laughs> just imagining Frank being like, no, I don't care. Just melt it. I, I just, I want it out of my sight. And it's like, 
like the absolute stress that everyone must have been going through from the dancers to the like the actual Coachella people to like whoever's managing him like it just must have been and then obviously also deciding like no I'm gonna presumably like breach my contract with the festival and not live stream the festival because like when you think about it that that Coachella is being streamed on YouTube so there's obviously yeah. like a commercial partnership between Coachella and YouTube. If your biggest act, your biggest draw, somebody who has famously, you know, not performed in six years, famously mysterious, is, you know, like th- think of the millions of people that would have been watching YouTube at that mm. time on yeah, Sunday yeah. night who weren't, who were sent to Instagram instead. You know, you would be your like sent to your rival Meta. Like, you would be absolutely furious. And if like I could, I would completely understand them just like pulling any connection with him for this weekend. I will eat my hat if he performs on Sunday. Like, I really will. And, and I, I don't know which side of the aisle it'll come from. Whether he'll pull out or they'll say you're not doing that again, but I would be absolutely shocked if he performs again on Sunday. But anyway, back to the I mean, story there's, there's, of what happened. Yeah. I'm interested because like, okay, tell me, yeah, yeah you continue. Cause yeah. like, I think that <laughs> we're all trying to figure out is like, yeah, is this going to happen? And is, right. is, is what is the narrative now? What's happening? Um, uh, is the it, narrative is shifting? It, Damage control. Like a like a large body of water in the middle of the desert, it's shifting. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's um, dissipating, so, it's melting, it's it's all it's, it's all falling it's apart. Dis- it's a disaster. So there was a there was a statement made from at the Festive Owl on uh Twitter, which people might have seen going around. I'll just read a little bit of it. Uh, This person says, the stage production was supposed to and did contain an ice rink that was constructed and ready to go. Frank decided at the last minute that he no longer wanted it at all. Of all of the people walking around him at the start of of the performance were actually ice skaters, have been practicing for weeks and were supposed to be skating as part of the production. Coachella had to deconstruct the approved stage that had been planned and sign off months in advance, melt the entire ice rink and then set it up how Frank decided today with no warning, <laughs> which is what you ended up seeing and caused the hour long delay. Like, I mean, even doing that in an hour is something, but um, this all happened when doors had already opened for Sunday and people were securing their spots to see him. If the last minute changes weren't made, he wouldn't have performed at all, leaving the festival without a closing headliner. Frank also personally pulled the plug at the last second on the live stream, which left a very sour taste in many inside Co- Coachella's mouths. Ultimately, it and I like quote, no, just to ask about the curfew. Sorry, sorry, mm. you had a quote. No, 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 go ahead. Yes, yeah, I, it, said, it's, it said that the curfew was 12 midnight yeah, on Sunday. It's midnight on Sundays, yeah. But he 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 stopped at half 12, so he was they'd gone past curfew already, had they? That's what I read it. I I think he stopped a few minutes past twelve. I don't know if it was. It said it was twenty five past twelve when he stopped. So okay, they'd obviously let him go on uh, quite significantly because he was an hour so, late. So with the curfew, it's interesting. It's not that they let him go on. It's that you can go over curfew, but for every minute over curfew that you go, you you incur a fine. Yeah, that's usually in the contract and at festivals yeah. and stuff. And that's why everyone's looking, like, always looking at the clock. There's a clock side of yeah. the stage. So you're like, you know, you can't get past that time. Yeah. And the fine is a lot. It's a couple of grand, like for every minute. So, you know, you don't want to be going too much over it. The curfew is really interesting because he would have known about that curfew. 
And Sounds like he, he started it. He started an hour late. Yeah. And had a 10 minute DJ set in the middle of it. Um, that was see, that's just, the thing, because we didn't see the live stream. It's really hard. Just, You're just picking up bits and pieces here. It's hard to know exactly what happened. You know, you were like, did he sit down there on a stool a for most on YouTube of the set? From someone's phone. Oh, is there? Okay. There's a few, there's a few floating around. So I've seen the set. Okay. You from have. the point okay. of view of somebody's phone. Oh, sorry. Right. So just before we get into the actual set. The latest in this saga is that Frank didn't want to do the ice rink thing because he allegedly, what was first claimed, was hurt his ankle during rehearsals. And you're like, okay, he hurt his ankle during rehearsals. Then it was revealed that actually he hurt his ankle while he was like biking around the grounds like earlier yeah. this week or like earlier in the week during rehearsal time, but very much not during rehearsals. That would mean that he would have known from then that he can't do his ice rink thing. If if it did turn out that Frank Ocean was going to skate out in the middle of Coachella, in the middle of the desert yeah. on some ice skates and do a flip, like, you know, that like then you had time to fix this. Like what? I, I just, I'm so like to be a fly on the wall, like, I hope somebody. Oh, I hope they were making a documentary. Document I hope there was it. a documentary. Yeah. <laughs> like, That'd be great. like, even if it was just people on their phones in the background, like, like this stuff like this needs to be documented. Like, obviously, I'm going to bring up Beyonce and Beachella and Beachella in 2018, but like, she had the good sense to document that. I just hope that other people had the good sense backstage, behind the scenes, to be documented. Frank's return. Um, so, I mean, I think his ankle's probably fine. I don't know if you... If you it does look like he sat on the stool for most of it, right? I mean, he, but he, I did see uh, some footage of him. Yeah, but he's also well. like bopping. Like, yeah. during, there was a couple of songs where he didn't sing at all and just like... Yeah, hip, hip I think play. it just... It doesn't reflect well <laughs> on him because... You're like, no. like you said, you're you're coming up against, uh, you're headlining against the likes of Beyonce, who's obviously done an amazing job and put months mm. and months of work. And he just pops on and starts like letting the backing vibing. track work for him and vibing essentially yeah, to some of those songs. And while he, he mm-hmm. what the bits I've heard, he does sound really good, but a lot of fans feel disrespected. Yeah. Isn't that the case? Like, so he has a, he has a lot to do if he's going to make it up and I can't see him doing it. That's the thing you were saying about the ice rink. So they were going to do that next weekend as well. So that's obviously not going to happen then. They can't do it now because they they cancelled the first one. At least uh, all the dancers got yeah. their custom Prada or whatever it was that they apparently got. I'd say those <laughs> fucking ice ice skaters are unionizing as we speak to make sure they get paid. Yeah, it's funny with like like what you said about the fans feeling disappointed. It it seems from reports from people who were there on Reddit on. TikTok on, you know, I've been kind of, you know, scurrying around all the little Frank Ocean corners of the internet to try and get a read of like, what was the vibe there? And it seems like it's very much like two different camps. There's, there's the fans who were just so grateful to see yes. Frank Ocean that it wouldn't have mattered if he just come out and monologued for 20 minutes or if he just come out and given a wave or whatever. Um, and those fans also have a lot of sympathy or when they're posting about it, they talk about having a lot of sympathy for him 
obviously because of the death of his brother. Frank made a small statement while on stage about how he used to go to Coachella with his brother and he's thinking of him and that it was that this is a very special and important performance um, because him and his brother used to come to Coachella. Um, but he, he also said, like, I always hated Coachella because it's too dusty out here. And I admired that. So, yeah, so there's those set of fans who are basically like, you, you, sh- you should count yourself lucky that he even showed up sort of thing, which I guess is part of being a Frank Ocean fan is understanding that, like, he hates you. Like, he doesn't, <laughs> like... <laughs> He doesn't care about us, he and I don't. Me, it felt like I don't a kiss mind that. that. He should cover that song. Yeah, but it's it's like it's like a meme with Frank Ocean. Like being a Frank Ocean fan, it's just like you're just like, oh man, he he hates me so much. Like he's just gonna he's gonna make me think there's a new album, but actually he's just building a ladder on Instagram Live or whatever the fuck that was during. Like it's it's just like yeah, he hates us, and we understand it. But well, he did give us two albums that week, and, and that was because he didn't want to be on in in his label anymore. So. I know he's 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 a difficult person to be a fan of, not because he's problematic, but just because he's so useless at having fans and knowing what fans want. Um, and like, I feel like he doesn't have management around him the way he acts. I'm <laughs> just like, know, this guy like, I, just needs somebody to take control of his business affairs. Yeah. Yeah, and, he needs, and so he can like, focus on the music and just be like, "Stop doing this stuff where you're like pulling things on on labels and your fans and everyone else." Yeah, <laughs> like, I think he needs like a completely ruthless corporate executive to just yeah. take hold, just for a year or two, and just give us like, I don't know, two singles on an album, just a little. Yeah, but you anything, know, there's really. plenty of fans who don't want that kind of thing from him. So that's the one side in terms of the reactions to it. And then the other side were, like you were saying, very much disappointed would be like an understatement. Like there's a lot of anger actually about it because because he was the Sunday night headliner and because he is Frank Ocean. Like, so there's there's this kind of idea about Coachella that everyone... Everyone that attends Coachella, because of its price point, are middle class or privileged or Instagram or there for Instagram or whatever it might be. But it's completely conceivable that people saved up their money so that they could see Frank Ocean live. Like that's not that's not beyond the realms of possibility. And I I saw reports to that tune from many many people online saying like I've never been to Coachella before. It never had any like interest for me but you know i saved hard and i'm gonna get to see frank ocean perform and also they wanted to see jaipal as well which is fair enough so from those people's perspective like i have a lot of sympathy for those people because the performance i don't know i mean i don't know what i would have expected if i was there but it definitely wasn't what they got um there there were a few times when he did sing live, he sounded great. But I think the most jarring bits of it for me was like, it's not that he like remixed some of his songs and didn't play very many of them, you know, straight live. It wasn't even the pressing play on Spotify on two of his tunes and just like vibing to a camera without even holding a microphone. It was the like long silences between 
the tracks, one of which I think went on for like 10 minutes, in which obviously something conceptual wow. or visual okay. was supposed to have been happening in whatever the previous iteration of the show was and just now wasn't. But there wasn't enough time to fill that space with anything. So the, you, you get like just dancers standing around not knowing what to do. You get Frank like going backstage for a little bit, doing a couple of songs backstage, coming back out. You get the band kind of standing around it's looking so at each bad. other. It like just, not, it not just all speaks to even a lack of rehearsal in the first place to, to be able to, yeah. you know, not turn things around or like remove parts of the show and then still keep it tight. And like, yeah. it's just, oh God. But I mean, if, if if you removed all those weird silences, you probably wouldn't have gone over curfew, which is mm, which is a yeah. bit ironic. But but it is. I mean, I feel sorry for I feel sorry for everybody. I feel sorry for Frank. I feel sorry for everybody that was performing with them. I feel sorry for everyone who had to deal with this because the whole thing's a fucking shit show. But like it it was just in those like so when when you watch the beginning of it, he's backstage. And, and the music starting up and people in the crowd, like I, I, I watched it from the perspective of someone who, who was like a little bit back in the crowd. And it was, it's like electric. People are going fucking crazy. They can't believe it. And the music's coming in and, and you kind of feel like, okay, this is, you know, he's going to appear in that way that shows start, you know, kind of traditionally. Yeah. And then he doesn't. And like... <laughs> I'm probably, I might be reading into this, but like I, I got the vibe from from the crowd that it's like, oh, well, maybe he's subverting things a bit and, you know, oh, now he's singing and he's backstage. This is like a deconstruction of the live performance. And and then after a bit, you just kind of feel that energy, like just dip. And then it goes back up a couple of times with like the big tracks or when he does come out and actually sing. But it's like, you get these like, one or two moments of just magic because he's Frank Ocean. He's incredibly talented and like, and is an amazing, you know, live vocal performer um, as well as everything else. But then you get, you get these bits where, where you're like, okay, now it's happening. Now he's given us the show. And then he doesn't. And then at the very end of all of it, he just says from backstage, they're telling me <laughs> that it's curfew. I got to go. Thanks. And like, and that's it. And people stayed when the when the lights came up. People were hanging around there for like an hour afterwards, just fully convinced, like, no, that this can't be it. This can't be it. But it was it. Wow. Wow. <sighs> it's just that's, so sad for everybody involved. I don't feel sad for him, really, to be for honest. Us, because he he had very time funny. to Yeah. He just doesn't want to he shouldn't do live shows. He just shouldn't do live shows. He I know there no. were he's done them before no. and they were a bit um, stayed a bit static so maybe you just shouldn't do them in the first place I, th I think there it's completely is. fine to not want to perform live I think it's completely fine to not want to put out albums I think it's fine to not want to put out singles and kind of do your conceptual stuff be an artist instead of a musician whatever but like why what on God's green earth possessed him to say yes to this and to not, and even if he had said yes in some kind of, you know, state where he was like, okay, yeah, I can definitely manage this, you know, and like, and I'm very, very sympathetic to him. He's dealing with grief. I understand that, but pull out if you don't think you can do it. Like it's like, 
give people time to make the decision on this. Don't just show up and pretend that this was the plan all along. It's It just yeah. felt like a lot of people, a lot of fans said the, the word that was going around a lot was that they felt disrespected. Um, yeah, and that's fair. I, and I feel like rarely do I think that like musicians owe anybody anything, but if they've paid money to see you, a show is the least that you could give them. You know, that's true. That's true. Yeah, I much. Have you ever seen a really awful set at a festival? Now, <laughs> are you enjoying it so far? <laughs> uh, <laughs> the Amanda Brunker thing. Uh, no, I haven't really seen. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think. Have I seen a really terrible set at a festival? I can't recall anything that was so bad or that didn't really happen. Or yeah, they're rare occurrences, thankfully. Yeah, and uh, I'm glad I wasn't there. Haha, <laughs> yes, interrupting this podcast. Uh, share with you, as you are already probably aware, if you are listening to this podcast, Frank Ocean has indeed pulled out of Coachella. About six hours after we recorded this, uh, he uh, pulled out, cancelled weekend two at Coachella. No real major surprise, uh, but really didn't uh, reflect well on what happened at weekend one. He was reportedly advised by doctors not to perform after suffering two fractures and a sprain in his left leg. He said, it was chaotic. There's some beauty in chaos. Isn't what I intended to show, but I did enjoy being out there and I'll see you soon. So, yeah, people may disagree with that, but also... Um, that's what happened. So yes, Frank Ocean did cancel. And just to say that in terms of the fines, uh, Coachella was fined $177,000 for uh, the delays over the weekend, last weekend. Anyway, that's enough from future Nile, present Nile. Back to past Nile. Bye. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves. Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Well, another man that was there and was there for the first time, as we mentioned, was yeah. Jai Paul. And uh, it seemed to go well enough for him, considering it was his first ever gig. Yeah. And uh, so I wasn't as watched... blown away by his performance as a lot of other people were. Um, I don't know are people blown but away. I think, by... I think it was just nice to see him more than anything else. It's it's nothing too special, mm. I don't think, really. That's how I it's felt. Much. But I saw a lot of people being like, this is amazing. And like. Uh, it's just cool that it, he's doing it. I think that's the thing, because what I would like to do now is just take felt. you through a brief history of the man, Jai Paul, and how he got from, because he's he's due to play again this weekend. And if anyone hasn't seen it, 
originally I came home, I had Luma on Saturday night, really good night. A lot of the Discord crew were there, which is nice to see them. And that was great. And uh, came home, was like, great, Jai Paul's on, literally, like when I get home after the club, that'd be brilliant. And I got home and he wasn't on because they decided not to show it live. And it was rebroadcast later that evening or that night, that night, so early morning for us. So um, I did watch some of it the next day. So or Monday, it was Monday actually before I got to do it, so see any of it. So uh, saw some clips before that, but really good to see. I just think it's nice that he did it, um, and that it existed. And he had a full band with him. I you like know, his hair. He looked, I like he how looked he looked nervous at first. Yeah, yeah. He looked nervous at he first, did, but like, he settled he? into it. But let's talk about Jai Paul because I think um, it's time we give him a bit of the pod for ourselves. I mean, let's start with the opening bit of his first ever song, BTSU. Jai Paul, right? That song came out in 2010, 13 years ago. The BTSU uh, demo, um, BTSTU uh, demo came out 13 years ago on MySpace originally. It was that time. Or Bitsu, as I've been calling it for a decade. Bitsu, yeah. Actually, does it mean anything? <laughs> it's one of those things I've I just... Do, I don't like, know. Yeah, that's what it's called. And, and it's definitely it not called Bitsu by anybody other than me. It's just what oh. I've always called it. Apparently the track means back to save the universe. There we go. So that's that's a BTSTU. I remember I wrote about this in 2010 originally when it first came out. And I said, Jai Paul is a producer from London who's just starting out. So far he's been making electronic R&B with dub frequencies. Sounds like pop music. Just really weird pop music that plays in your brain forever and ever. And to be honest, that's fairly accurate because it still plays in my brain forever and ever. Because I've never got sick of these songs, ever. That's the most perfect description of that you could give to Jai Paul after he brings out his first song. Like, that's perfect. This is why you're the best. Thank you. This is why <laughs> we trust you. <laughs> yeah, uh, I trust myself sometimes too. Uh, but no, BTS to you. Uh, what is it about that song? It is the crunchy beats, the, the kind of rumbling low end, the evocative airy vocals, the effects that punctuate the production that make it sound like it's in Star Wars and in space. The real snap of percussion that comes halfway through the the kind of earworm hooks, the um the ad libs that like work really well. All of it. It it just wasn't like I mean we've had around that time there was loads of acts that were coming out that were doing the mystery thing, do the enigmatic thing, releasing things online. But none of the songs stood up to this. And this was the one mm. that um, this and Jasmine, which came afterward a year later, it was or maybe it was two years later. Um, 
they were both just so unique and different and occupied their own palace in and but they also referenced like the likes of Prince and Jay Dilla and D'Angelo in terms of like the R&B kind of style but it's just so different and so its own thing very individual like but the thing about Jai Paul is he didn't talk he didn't do anything he didn't have a plan the song came out hmm. then it happened then XL Recordings got in touch with him I think they released the track eventually so it became BTSTU and then the demo was on it and then it became just a, a full version that was on streaming, all that kind of stuff. And then we had Jasmine, second single. Uh, here's a little bit of uh, Caribou, uh, Dan Snate, talking about uh, Jai Paul and Jasmine. The next track is uh, by, I'm not entirely sure if it's Jai Paul or Jai Paul, how you pronounce his name, but the track's called Jasmine. And I think like a lot of people in the last few years, I was totally transfixed by this track. It's just such a distinctive sound. Yes, the, the first thing that you notice is just like the kind of mad sounds that come out of nowhere as you're listening to the track. Something like uh, slice through the mix. I want to aspire to make music that's exciting and has unexpected things happen, but like that is truly unexpected and amazing. It lives in its own world, like he's one of those great artists that appears like totally fully formed sounding just like himself and nobody else, which is, which is fantastic. So that's Jai Paul and that's Dan Snate uh, from Caribou talking about uh, Jasmine. Again, I think it encapsulates a lot of how a lot of big artists think about Jai Paul because he did do that for a lot of people. He distinctly made his own world with just two songs, became mm. one of the like most buzziest artists in the world. Um, everyone, a lot of so many people were anticipating what would come next. And what came next was actually quite unexpected because it was not sadness. Planned, apparently, nothing but sadness and despair for poor Jai Paul came next. Certainly, yeah. I get so, really upset thinking about this. Like, yeah. I really so do. Sunday, April fourteenth, twenty thirteen, a year after Jasmine comes out, uh, an album appeared on Bandcamp. It was a Sunday. Uh, an album appeared on Bandcamp called uh, Leak O Four Thirteen. Uh, in brackets, bait ones. So I wrote about it the next day. What had happened was, uh, what seemed to have happened, it was a lot of confusion at the time. I remember people, uh, bloggers and people I knew were like, there's a Joy Paul album up on Bandcamp, what's going on? And I was like, it can't be. But and at first it just looked like it was some sort of publicity stunt or something that XL had done in order to like, just to, because he wasn't a regular artist and they were like, well, how can we do something different? Or would then then there was a the question whether it was an artist mm -hmm. disagreement with the label and he decided to go it alone. Uh, and he did he post it like as a fuck you to them? Did he did XL refuse to release it because they thought it wasn't good? <laughs> like, was it even finished? Was it even the album? It doesn't mm -hmm. seem to be. There's a lot of demos afterwards, unfinished, uh, written on the track listing. But it turns out Clearly it was wasn't mastered in, at all. No. 
No, it had samples of from the Harry Potter movie in it. It had uh, samples Girl? from the OC. Gossip Girl? Gossip Girl, yeah. And yeah. Uh, a cover of Jennifer uh, Page's Crush, which ultimately does uh, fit in on it. But um, apparently one of the hashtags uh, was a non-CDR that suggests anything but a, uh, an official release. And this is a guy who was very careful with just releasing two single songs before this album or purported album arrived and we we then got all of a sudden got 16 tracks uh out of nowhere and you're like no this can't be right and it wasn't and it turns out it the album was stolen because the uh, laptop his uh, joy paul's laptop was stolen and uh there was a statement afterwards that um people were being refunded for the album that they bought because they'd obviously got in touch with Bandcamp. this was um somebody had realized what what they had in their possession um, but it definitely sounded incomplete and unmastered. Yeah, the, the person who stole it had set up a PayPal that yeah, would, that's right. that where if you bought it on Bandcamp, it would go to their PayPal, which is just it's so horrible to think about. Like, yeah, people. So somebody's making money it. off this. Yeah, there was a XL put a statement saying, as widely reported, music by XL recordings artist Jai Paul was illegally made available via fake Bandcamp account. This music was not uploaded by Jai and it is not his debut album. It is a collection of various unfinished recordings from Jai's past. Neither XL or Jai have taken any money from the sale of this music. We've been working with Bandcamp and PayPal to resolve this situation. And it told us all parts will be funded in seven days. What happened after was a clarification and that clarification took a long time really to come. Um, he did start a Twitter account just shortly afterwards to say, that's not my album. Uh, I didn't put that up there. Please don't download it kind of thing. But yeah. it was really 2019 six years later before we really got the full true story of what actually happened because he released two songs in 2019 June 2019 Do You Love Her Now and He and very welcome to hear them again but uh, along with that the that album was actually added to streaming that day which at first didn't when I saw it I was like well this can't this feels mm. like you're being duped a little bit like a, an unfinished album is all of a sudden on streaming but Jai Paul did do an interview where he clarified his uh, intent with it. He he essentially said that, you know, I mean, people understood that as the album at the time by by that time. And uh, so he felt like he wanted to honor that and just like get past it. He'd done a lot of work and um, he, he went through a lot of things. His statement says, I understand that it might have seemed like a positive thing to a lot of people. The music they've been waiting to hear was finally out there. But for me, it was very difficult to deal with. I felt alone. Pretty, uh, I felt pretty alone with everything. Like no one else seemed to view the situation the same way as I did, as a catastrophe. On a personal level, things went gradually went south, and I had a breakdown of sorts. I was in quite a bad place for some time. I was unable to work and withdrew from life in general. So it took him a long time to work through those issues and uh, to kind of see it as more of a positive thing, which seems to but be also, what had happened. Crucially, um, when the album first leaked, it was treated by a lot of people in the industry as an album, even even though they understood that this was an illegal leak. Um, Pitchfork had it yeah. as like on it was on loads of end of year lists. It's like some of the best music of the year, which you could definitely look at positively and say, like, look, these are the the scraps, like the unmastered scraps of a project that he's working on. And it's still among the best music that's been released this year. But I reckon for him, like all, all of that, that must have all just felt so 
estranged and I'm sure he had no idea what what was actually true what people actually felt about it and like to not to not actually have the opportunity to release an album in the way that you want to it, like it must be a weird experience to have the album that you didn't want released an unfinished project be released and be treated as though it was your debut album and to be liked for it and uh, and you're thinking then like do they like me for something that I'm not? Do they? What What is it about this that they that they're enjoying? Because this isn't my music yet. You know, it's just the scraps of it. So that must have been a really strange, like, crisis of identity in terms of what his sound is and who he is as an artist. I could absolutely understand somebody like just retreating for as long as he did after that. And I, I, I love, I love that he decided to put it up on streaming eventually because. From the other side of things, like you had these Jaipal super fans who had so far had like two tracks and then being given 12 tracks, like, you, you know, you can't blame them for downloading it and for listening yeah. to it. Like we all listened to it. Um, we all enjoyed it. But like, it's, it's nice that he sort of is allowing them to listen to it without feeling guilty about it, I suppose, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, he goes on to say in that statement that um, it initially happened at 3 a.m. on a Saturday night. And it seems like the person uh, who did this planned it that way. They immediately contacted the police, his management called him uh, because it was that time. No, we weren't able to do anything to quickly to get it down. He said it probably came from a burnt CD that got misplaced. A fair amount of people would have had access to my music in various forms between 2010 and 2013. So it's like there's. You could imagine there, there's some like disgruntled former music industry employee who had who had this and was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try and make mm. some money out of this. It's something as simple as that and as as heinous as that. Who would act, who actually went and you know potentially ruined this man's career? Uh, mm. Who had, had there to are do people a lot. out there who know who it was. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. There's like there's a few people out there who know who it was. Because it's do, doing that isn't a fuck you to a label. It's not a fuck you to your former employee if it was a, you know, it's it, it's like what the lowest hanging fruit you can possibly get, like a fucking new artist whose album hasn't even been put out yet, who's getting a lot of like good press or whatever, but like a young guy. <laughs> like it's just, it's so mean and cruel. And then obviously making money off it is just like really scummy behavior as well. But like, yeah, it's, yeah, people know who it is. And I find that absolutely. <laughs> so a police investigation happened that summer and it led to two suspects who were eventually arrested. Their property raided and computer seized. Nothing was found, but this time it was almost a year after the leak had taken place. Um, the BPI kindly offered to step in and help towards the investigation. I'd like to thank them for the concern, he says. Um, all the money was obviously refunded. Um, that's grand. He says, recently, and this was in 2019, recently I've been having therapy of various kinds and this has helped me get to a place where I can begin to think about returning to music. <clears throat> I'm thankful for that. It has allowed me to understand some of what happened in 2013 a little better, not through anybody else's lens, but through my own. And through this, I've been able to acknowledge some of the trauma and grief. I've grown to appreciate that people have enjoyed that music and live with it. And I accept that there's no way to put that shit back in a box. There was no way to fix what happened and continue down our original path. Looking back, it's sad to think about what could have been, but it is what it is, and I had to let it go. We decided now to make the April 13th leaked music readily available, so those who want to hear it can access by platforms they're used to. In order to do that, we had to remove a bunch of samples that were unable to clear, 
So what you hear won't be exactly what leaked in 2013, but I know the original stuff is still flowing about if you know where to look. Of course, it's completely surreal to me that this music would now exist officially in this form, unfinished and even sequenced by the people who leaked it. Um, much of that tracking production work was there, but it's a shame about the scratch vocals and the overall mix. This is also not all of the material from those early sessions. So again, it's a shame not to be able to present something completed in its entirety. It will always be painful for me to listen to myself and I don't want to deny people the chance to hear it, especially as it's already knocking about. So, yeah, he has really been through a lot and um, his, the rug was pulled from under him. He said, I was so frustrated by how this was all being framed online, leading to the widespread belief that I decided to leak my own music. Despite my record label and I saying otherwise, it didn't fit with anything I'd done previously in style or attitude, and especially not in presentation. To make matters worse, I was advised at the time to keep quiet and leave things ambiguous, but this didn't really fit my vibe and there was a disagreement among us. I soon felt unable to gauge with it at all. So he's been through so much to get to that point where he's actually now, I'm sitting there and I can, I'm going to play a song from Leak 0413 and I know that he's okay with this now, you know? That song is essentially canon now, you know what I mean? Like it, it wasn't intended to be uh, things like this 41 second uh, baby beat thing isn't, wasn't even supposed to be. That's a Dilla-esque idea, which is now uh, part of his lore. So he has no choice to that. But, you know, some good things did happen in the intervening intervening years. Obviously, Joy Paul's brother, A.K. Paul, um, started releasing music. And uh, in fairness to him, can we just have a moment for his song Land Cruising and how uh, fucking cool that song is? Just a bit of that song. So yeah, in, in, in terms of wrestling back control, um, Jai Paul and his brother AK Paul did a lot. They set up the Paul Institute, which helped release artists like uh, Ruth Venn and uh, Fabiano, Fabiana Palladino. I know Fabiana Palladino was playing live with him at Coachella last week, so that was nice to see. Um, mm. But they, they released, basically, Paul.Institute was the website Suddenly these tracks would appear from these artists, Hira and Ruth Venn. Ruth Venn was a firefighter from Lucian. 
in London. Fabiano Palladino had worked with Jesse Ware, Sampa and Subtract before. But a lot of the stuff that they were releasing was very much in the vein of what they were doing. Both the, the two brothers, Jai and AK, their prints were all over it. Here's a bit of uh, Shimmer from Fabian and Palladino. All very much in the vein of that kind of electronic pop stuff, and this one is a particular favorite of the Ruth Van song, Evil. So yeah, the Paul Institute, <laughs> do you remember the funny thing, uh, the particular magazine that they released the news about? Do you remember oh, that? what was that? Vaguely. <laughs> what was that? It was called Property Week. I sent you a picture of it earlier on. Um, so they had, uh, news broke that the Paul brothers had acquired an actual building to house their Paul Institute. <laughs> and it, it was leaked by <laughs> Property picture. Week. And the picture, they, which I sent you earlier, <laughs> is just the lads in the hard hats outside this building <laughs> with high-vis jackets on and three and two other lads, two older lads in particular, uh, who were just there. Our I don't lady. know what's going on. But fair play to them. So that was kind of like, it, it was totally in fitting with it. are the absolute, they're the absolute image of each other. They are, yeah, yeah, they are. Absolutely. Especially There's actually a video right. online from last year, which Fact put up of Ruth Van and AK Paul having an hour long conversation, which I only found out about half an hour ago. Didn't see that before. So they, at the time they said the building is set to host a growing collective of musicians, artists and technologists. I think they are from um, uh, an area, a suburb of London. Um, so Rainer's Lane is a, is a place that uh, is often associated with um, Jai Paul. It's in Harrow. So uh, a little bit outside London uh, city itself. But uh, I think that might be where it is. That might be where it is. And, and it certainly looked uh, when it came to last week and the picture that Jai Paul put up. So how did he announce that he was playing Coachella? Well, he uh, no one knew what was happening until like, uh, well, and people did know, but like he was he was there. He was on the list, but he put up a, a note on his mm. own Reddit, <laughs> which obviously is run by fans saying, I hope you like what, what we're doing. Here's a picture from the rehearsals. You're like, ah. You know, you're just rooting He's for him. Adorable. You're always just rooting for him. And just this is a nice complete, guy. Like. Yeah, it's the complete opposite <laughs> of of Frank, you know. I mean, he shares what he wants, but he does he does it in a, his own yeah. way. And I think I, I really respect him for that. And in fairness, he's he's done a lot over the years, um, really. Like, Jai and AK especially have done so much. Jai has been uh, performed with... Uh, he did some production on a, a Big Boy song in 2012, but before things went south. Hi, 
sounds like him all right um there was the great sound ak paul did with neo and some good stuff that was on that neo now it seems to have disappeared a bit but this is a great song And then there was the likes of Miguel, um, which the brothers uh, appear to have worked with. Um, and uh, who else? Mig- uh, Miguel and A.K. Paul did a James Vincent McMorrow remix. A former guest of this show has been remixed by uh, A.K. Paul. So that's nice, isn't it? Here's a bit of that. And there, uh, apparently, AK Paul did some co-production on uh, a couple of surprising things. First of all, this song by Folds. So yeah, that was Folds. Um, and surprisingly, um, there were others, um, like there's a Childish Gambino song with Ariana Grande that apparently has something involving Jai Paul Muramasa as well. Mm. I think AK Paul did something with him. And then there was the samples from people, Drake. Yeah, Beyonce so Beyonce and Drake have both sampled Jai Paul's music. And then... And the other fella. Don't play it. <sighs> Well, uh, okay. Are you going to play it? <laughs> For huh? sake. Are you going to play Ed Sheeran? <laughs> I mean, I, just to show you how how he takes it. Okay, in, do you want to hear it? No. <laughs> no, of course you don't want to hear it. You don't have to listen to it. But, Go on. Like, right, (laughs) the thing about Jasmine is that the vocals are purposefully sort of like you ca- you you can't really it's you have to strain to doesn't kind of hear just what the show you are, doesn't it just show right? you the difference between that like like the, it's, it's the like, magic the alchemy that's a play in Jai Paul's uh, voice yeah. and the just how he kind of just ruins the voice ruins just. everything like takes <laughs> any kind of mystery or intrigue. It actually out the, sounds out of that vocal performance. Are you with me, just, Jasmine? The way he sounds like he sounds like he's giving out to her. He's like he he's leering at her. I'm like, it does. God, it's, it's like like Jai Paul's over here, like, you know, carving like a beautiful little like crystal or something. And then Ed Sheeran just comes in with like the world's biggest hammer and just starts hammering <laughs> away at it. And you're like, oh my God, just any sense of like musicality. It's I just or like invention. Yeah. He's like, oh, I liked this. And you know, congratulations, Ed Sheeran, you good taste in one song. But like, for the love of God, you don't need to cover every song that you like. For fuck's sake. No. Like no. <laughs> I mean it was it was of the time and uh it was it was a cover with some rapper as well. It was off some other project that he wouldn't yeah, be. Yeah, he was now. talking Rocky over Fresh. The opening yeah. fucking bars of Jasmine. 
which yeah exactly so I, div- I would know, but that was of the time that like that's so. that was that's so that time of like okay here's no. a hot track let's let's do a remix of or a mashup of it you know where's Ed no thanks <laughs> <laughs> and also like finally there was also a rumor that Jai Paul had um, contributed to, to Lord's homemade dynamite. Here he is. Here's a clip of that. There's no official credit um, on that sample or if there's a sample in there, apparently there is from one of his songs, but and I think it is Crush, perhaps if it is there. But there are some signs that maybe Lord, she's definitely a fan. She I've just had a realization about Lord. Um I think that Lord has the kind of voice that should only sing choruses. I think yeah. whenever she's singing a verse, it sounds odd. <laughs> that's why <what, laughs> that's why the, I think that's why Melodrama is good good album. It's just like just Full of solid, solid yeah. courses. <laughs> like, like green light. I find her vocal performance in the in the verses on that borderline unlistenable. <laughs> okay, well, oh, hard to have one me. or the other. You still need but the contrast. Is so great. Anyway, that's an aside. <laughs> okay, well, apparently the song uses the same snare as Joy Paul's song BTSTU, bringing us all back to where we started here. And the song is in the same key as Straight Out of Mumbai, and apparently somebody had made an acapella of the version of it. In 2015, Lord tweeted her annoyance of uh, people who imitated Joy Paul's sound, saying, Someone should start a Joy Paul imitation fund and donate every time an indie pop bro puts out a song that rips him. Hashtag justice. This inspiration <laughs> thing where the beat obviously rips samples unreleased Jai Paul tracks with no credit will be very hypocritical of Lord if she wasn't doing that. So if she didn't mm. credit it. So anyway, it's 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 tenuous enough, but it it's, is it, tantalizing. It's, it's certainly like a hill for her to die on. Like It is a hill. Sure. <laughs> yeah. There's no hills in Coachella as far as I'm aware. No. Um, <laughs> it's a valley. Uh, no. But um, the other thing that Jai Paul has done, and this is the last thing before the Coachella and the live shows, is that he did a, he did a, he had a cameo on uh, Atlanta last year, if you remember. Remember mm-hmm. the London episode of Atlanta? He actually appears in it. You know what that is, yeah? That's ultimate white guilt. I thought racism wasn't really a thing here like that. I thought it was more about class. Racism and capitalism, hard to separate, isn't it? Um, so yeah so that brings us to where we're at now which is Coachella and the album being released on vinyl myself and yourself I think we've both got copies of it 3,000 copies that they said secured a copy I don't know somehow somehow through his the most idiosyncratic website in the the world Craig Fitzpatrick's sister has gotten me a copy of the album. So, like, okay, okay, yeah. So, uh, I've, I've, I've promised, uh, if I do win a London ticket to see the show, um, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll sort someone out with something. Okay, very good. <laughs> they can very come good. with me. And, and wait I think, outside. look, the thing is, you know, like, both have you been bitten by the Jai Paul Jasmine shipping issue? 
I certainly have. How long did it take? Like 18 months or something? 16 months or something for that? Uh, it took something like that. Record but... to be delivered, which was like a jasmine scented vinyl, which you have a copy of, which you still yet to receive. <laughs> it's still in that. an ex-colleague's house. So yeah, really Niall, that. not you. My ex-colleague's name is Niall. Niall, just get in touch. I, I'll DM you. I'll text you my address. Post it to me. I want it. <laughs> yeah, so I still haven't got my hands on it. So I don't personally know that it doesn't smell like Jasmine. I'm still holding that hope. I was trying to look for it there behind Four me years before later. the show or just to see if I could uh, check. But um, I'll have to go through all of these records you can see behind me to to figure out as well. I have a lot of the Paul Institute vinyls as well. So mm. it'd be nice to have now that I have Joy Paul's Blessing for sure. It'd be nice to have the yeah. album um, on record as well. Mm. And that leads us to the other thing that was announced after uh, Coachella. He is doing, Joy Paul is doing four shows, like you said there. Um, two in London in May and two in uh, uh, New York. One at Brooklyn Steel, one at Knockdown Centre in Queens. So yeah, all the tickets are exclusively available by a, via a ballot. You can anyone can sign up to it, I believe, um, as long as you do it by nineteenth of April if you're in New York or third of May in London. So ballot winners will be notified by twenty fourth of April in New York or fourth of May. So the week before, I know. Ooh, well, luckily I'm going. I'm going to London that day. As it happens. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Let's just hope. I'm putting good vibes out into the universe. Yeah. I would like him happens. to fix his fucking website. <laughs> he should just stop using that website because it completely crashed when it, when Awful. he first, uh, when it went up around the time and you couldn't log in. Esoteric. Esoteric. But, you know, in a way, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want anything any other way. I wouldn't have him any other way, to be honest. Like, it is, yeah. it is kind of fun when you're like, so obviously the, the day the album was coming out, I was it was like six or seven hours before, you know, it was going on sale. And I was like, right, well, I better go and see what the story is with the website if I need to sign up or whatever. And there I am signing up, trying to find <laughs> where to sign up because you're like, like a yeah. fucking Didn't curiosity rover on Mars, like trying to navigate this fucking landscape that he has. Nothing works. <laughs> just a nightmare like but i honestly wouldn't have him any other way like <laughs> yeah, yeah i think i fair. feel about jaipal the way like frank ocean stands feel about frank where they're like ah it's fine you know we, we were lucky to even get him i'm like i don't feel that yeah. way as much about frank but with with jai i'm like I'll leave him alone <laughs> <laughs> he's a good he's a good kid <laughs> Yeah. So that was nice. You were saying uh, you, you put in the chat there that um, not only was at Coachella was Joy joined by his brother AK on guitar and Fabiana Palladino, but also Rocco Palladino on bass. Yeah. Um, so two family members uh, matched uh, and that's, uh, you said it's Pino, Pino Palladino's uh, son. son and daughter. So yeah. uh, who's a Welsh musician, songwriter and producer, played bass for acts like The Who, D'Angelo. Yeah. Gary Newman. Yeah. Nine Inch Nails, so yeah. good pedigree, good stuff. Harry spotted that when uh, when we were watching the stream. We were both watching it, fully convinced that no one was live. Um, for the first few songs, I was like, "He's not singing live. There's no way he's singing live." But I think it was just like there was some kind of there was another vocal track that was on, and fair enough, you know, it's your it's your first. I find gig. the same with that. With, if you look at Charlie XCX videos um, from Coachella or anywhere else, and I've seen her live. Like she does a lot of back and track stuff. A lot. Mm. And I don't even know if she sings. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, low Charlie XCX, but still, 
I'm like, mm. I feel like with someone like Charlie, like she's she's doing flips and kind of like bouncing about the place. That's fair enough. But like, if you're just standing there, like maybe singing's fine. And he said he sounded great when he was like when he 100% was singing. I don't know. People said he was Look, singing. I'm just happy maybe he's just that good. And I thought yeah. it was the track. You know, I don't know. <laughs> maybe. I mean, he's been practicing. Unlike Frank Ocean, he's been practicing. Mm, he's been so practicing. that's good. Yeah. So, well, thank you for um, indulging us both and um, and allowing me to thank you, um, yourself with uh, Jai Paul and everyone else listening as well. Always. Um, yeah. Let's leave it there because I've got to go for dinner. And that's Okay. Fun. Patreon? Patreon.com forward slash 909. The Discord is where is how you get it. How you get into Discord is through yeah. Patreon, and uh, it's a lovely community. As I've said before, don't take my word for it. Come and have a look yourself. Yeah, um, it is an, a lovely place to be, and uh, plenty of chat there about uh, Jai Paul and Frank Ocean and everyone else and ice rinks and God knows what else, bands and people that are playing and music leagues and. All sorts of stuff. I think it's a best of the month, possibly next week. Um, we might be doing so. Yeah, that feels right. We'll be a few Is days it? early, maybe, but uh, yeah, that's yeah, okay. Yeah, that feels maybe. correct. All right, <clears throat> but yeah, good. Enjoy your dinner. Okay, uh, you too. <laughs> Whatever you end up eating, <laughs> no, you're going for dinner. So. <laughs> yeah, well, you can still enjoy your dinner. I, okay. I will. I will. All right. <laughs> okay. Andrea bye, too. everyone. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye. They said it's curfew. We got to go. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.